Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You know what I do if I own a hockey team? This is the Press Box. I hire a sumo wrestler. With Grady and Bischoff. I'd give him a uniform, transportation, 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal, eat a ham sandwich, and enjoy the game. My team would never get scored on. On ESPN Las Vegas. We would get scored on constantly. Maybe, but we sell a few tickets. It's game day. BGK, big one tonight. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Ed Tyler and Jared. There is a mystery, though. The first bite. Will Pete DeBoer start in goal for game two? I guess I should take that back. There's no mystery. You have to start flurry. You've changed your mind? Sumo wrestler. Oh, no. I still think he should do the rotation, oh. but, I, but I think he'll start flurry. Why do you think he should keep up the rotation? Oh, because I can't go back on it. Yeah, because he <laughs> I wrote... I mean, he, I can't. I wrote an entire he, column on it. He wrote the... He, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, I wrote... There's, our, a, there's a new... He, like, the newspaper of record yes, in this exactly. town. I wrote 685 <laughs> words on it. I can't go back now. I'll stick with it. I... He lost the game. Can't lose that game and get the next start. <laughs> Come on, he lost the game. I just think he'll go with Flurry because he lost the game. He lost the game. You lose the game, you got to get out. No, I, I think he'll go with Flurry. There's two reasons to go with Mark Andre Flurry. Number one, he gives you the best chance to win because he's been one of the top three goalies in the sport for the entire season, and he was good in game one. It's not like he was bad or even average in game one. He was good. But number two, if you're Pete DeBoer. It's the safe option. If you start Robin Leonard tonight and you lose the game five to two, you're brave. You're done for like, that's, that's the, that's the goalie decision that Pete DeBoer gets hammered for. If he starts Leonard and they lose five to two, if they start, if he starts flurry and they lose five to two, I don't think many people are going to be disappointed. I don't think many people are going to be pointing the finger at Pete DeBoer because Mark Andre flurry has been awesome this entire year. But if you bench flurry, and the other guy, Leonard, gives up five. That's the worst yeah. case scenario for DeBoer. You don't want him making decisions that way. Like, that's a bad process for your decision making is what's the worst case scenario and how do I avoid getting the most blame? But that's how a lot of people make decisions. And that's the worst case scenario yeah. for Pete DeBoer. He's not going to bench Flurry after that After that effort. He's not going to do that. Now, if it's 5-2 tonight, then then I tell you what, hello at Minnesota. You know who's starting that one, right? If they're down 0-2. <laughs> and here's the thing. What if they're down 0-2 and they lose 2-1 tonight. I still think you might go Leonard. Right. I think if you're down 0-2, you can safely explain away, well, it might not be his fault, but we got to give this other guy a chance just to mix things up. I said this on the VGK Insider Show mostly as a joke because I was trying to think of something really stupid to say. What if you go, all right, Flurry's our home goalie, Leonard's our away goalie. But Is there any evidence that one's better at home or away? I know that they lose away a lot more, and so you would look better. They lose a lot at Minnesota no matter who the goalie they is. Yes. They, they can't win in Minnesota. Yeah, well, they haven't been able to. I don't know if they can now, but I'm with you. I think he starts flurry. I just, I mean, after that performance and 46 windmills and like six blockers and this and that, um, I have to stand behind what I wrote. You don't have to. You can I change do. your no, mind. No, I got. I got to because it's physically I gotta written go, in the paper. I got to. Yes, yes. It's the newspaper. Yes, it's of the record. paper of record. I will stand behind it and absolutely 
uh, agree with you that he will start Flurry tonight for actually the reasons. Look, it's all human nature, man. You're right, but that sinks into his head where if I start the other guy and they lose 4-2, might not recover. And here's the other thing. Let me ask you this. As much as those guys go out and say, oh, we have, you know, we have two number one goalies, all of that, they say what, you know, they say what they're supposed to in the Zooms. Do you risk starting Leonard and losing 5-2 in that room? Do you lose the room? Well, I don't know if you do, but... I don't know if it would or not. I don't know either. I'm just saying, it, is it a possibility? I guess it is, because, I mean, if they think, yeah, Flurry gives us the best chance to win, and, I don't know, the skaters think, oh, we played well enough to win, we scored some goals, and our goalie gave up five soft right. ones, then maybe, but... What's interesting is we had that 10-game uh, sample, which not a big sample. We had that 10-game sample earlier in the year where the Golden Knights did not score when Marc-Andre Fleury was the goalie, and they kept putting four and five in when Robin Leonard was the goalie, which to me is the more fascinating part because the goaltender shouldn't have any impact on how many goals right. your team is actually scoring. But it would be fascinating if they started Leonard tonight and scored and five score, or six and won six to one. Yeah. Well, if they do that, he started in Minnesota. <laughs> I do know that. I don't know much, but if he wins six to one tonight and he starts, I know who's starting game three. Yeah. So <laughs> I assume it's got to be Flurry tonight. Yes. I think just out of uh, Pete DeBoer's self interest, it's hard not to start Mark oh, yeah. Flurry. It's hard yeah. for him not. There's to There's no Fleury risk in starting there. him. Exactly. Because if Flurry gets torched, then. You, well, you, you just say, say he was amazing in game yeah. one. I mean, and, that's what are you going to do? He's been amazing all yeah. season, and it happens. But if Leonard gets tor- torched, then you're benching oh. the guy who's been awesome all season. And if season he gets torched and they go down two zero, who's Minnesota playing in the next round? Yeah, that's basically I mean, what it is. Colorado, but that's basically <laughs> what it is. Um, another question on the Golden Knights: uh, Max Pacioretty. Pete DeBoer yesterday said he's still day to day, but I thought what was interesting was when Pete DeBoer was talking about Pacioretty, he said that. He's day-to-day, and he's not lying about that, which implies that Pete DeBoer yes. has been lying yes. in, the, in the past. When you, when you go out of your way to say that, but no one asks you that, that kind of puts it out there. And look, <laughs> it's, think, about that, think about saying that to like your wife, and I'm not lying about that. Yes, I did not spend that money on that Amazon Prime. Um, I Look, I'm with you. When you go out of your way, that was very strange. There's a lot of things coaches will do, and they'll say, you're like, yeah, he wasn't asked that. Um, this is the interesting part. I absolutely believe, and look, it's the playoffs. You don't want to play your hand. That's fine. You know, They don't play their hand six games into the season about injuries, so why would they play their hand now? But let's say if it's day-to-day, I think he absolutely knows if the guy can play or not. He has to. He's the head coach. They have to figure the lineups out. If let's say he plays tonight, this is why I don't think he'll play tonight. Unless they've dropped the curtain at City National and he's had all these private skates, which very well could be. You're telling me he hasn't skated all. You're putting yeah. him. In, he's playing in game two of the playoffs. I again, we might be, we might have no idea because the media is only out there for the morning skate. Then they are ushered out. So there's every chance he skated the last seven days, and we don't even know it. But let's say he hasn't. How can he play tonight? He can't, there's just no way. Unless if he plays tonight. Then to me, he's been skating for a while, and he's yeah, ready, and they know he's ready. To, yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting part on Pacioretty and how Pete DeBoer described injuries, May 1st is the last time Max Pacioretty played a game. May 3rd was the Golden Knights' next game, the first one that he missed, and Pete DeBoer said Max Pacioretty was a game-time decision all the way back on May 3rd. The next day, he obviously didn't play. The next day... Pete DeBoer described Max Pacioretty as day-to-day. We're 14 days later, and he's still day-to-day. 
Technically, it's always day-to-day, but that's more like a week-to-week injury if you're going two weeks without playing, which to get back to Pete DeBoer's comments about I'm not lying about it, it sounds like he was lying about Pacioretty's injury on May 3rd and May 4th because he was never day-to-day. He's ended up being out two weeks when they said he was day-to-day. So I I guess we should believe Pete DeBoer now because he tells us he's not lying about it, but I don't know that uh, the Golden Knights have uh, earned any benefit of the doubt with their injuries. any injuries, and I guess that's most hockey teams. Um, I don't know. We don't cover their hockey teams daily basis. I've heard other hockey teams are, well, I mean, if you're open at all, you're more open than Knights, but I've heard teams where the coach just says, this is what it is. He's got a sprained ankle, and this is what's happening all the way to the other end of the spectrum where the Golden Knights don't say anything. And again, it's the playoffs. That's fine if you don't want to say anything, but... You're right. When out of the blue, I'm not lying about that. It's like, well, <laughs> why'd you say that? No yeah. one did anyone ask you on the Zoom, are you lying about this? Like, why did you say that? Like, nobody nobody asked you about that. So I don't know if he's playing. And I normally lie, <laughs> but not today. To your faces. I'm being honest. This Zoom right thing now. has been great. Um, the other question on if assuming Patch Reddy doesn't play, because again, Pete DeBoer said that he could play today. Pete DeBoer talked a little bit yesterday about Tomas Nosek and why he played him on the first line and trying to create depth, trying to match Minnesota's depth. Um, who do you think should be playing on that first line left wing if Pacioretty's not playing? Yanmark? That's what I would go with. Like, that to me is the one that makes the most sense. If, in fact, he's what everything they said when he yeah. traded for him? I mean, maybe Tuck, but you're moving Tuck to his off I don't know and... if I'd... Then your third line is really... Yeah. You're not giving anything there. But here's what I find fascinating about DeBoer's decision to start Noshik on the first line so that his third line would be better, so that he could have Janmark talk and with Tuck. Nick Wall right. on that third line. The depth of Minnesota, I, I'm not quite sure what they're talking about because the third line for Minnesota in game one was Fiala, Rask, and Johansson. Kevin Fiala this year did score 20 goals and had 20 assists. Had a very good season for a, guy for, a third line. Yeah, for a guy that's now playing on their third line. But Fiala, Rask, and Johansson, in the regular season, those guys played a total of 33 minutes together and had an expected goals of 39%. I don't understand why, as a coach, Pete DeBoer would build his lineup to make sure he could match up with that line. Like, that's not like some great line. There's one good player on it. Kevin Fiala's on that line. There's one good player on it. I don't understand why his his biggest uh, goal with his lineup in game one was to, uh-oh, we can't get beat by the third line of Minnesota who has one good player. That, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that's what he said. Right. And that, that's exactly what he did. That's why Noshik was on that line. That I don't get. Because if you're the Golden Knights and you need to match up with a third line that has one good player... Well, that's Alex Tuck and Nick Waugh and Tomas right, Nosek right. or whoever the hell you want to put there with Alex Tuck. Like, that's it. You're matched up. You've got one good player on that line now, too, and a couple other guys that might be okay. So I did not understand that logic from Pete DeBoer to say, hey, we need to match up with the third line that's not actually that good. I would not, uh, and I saw some um, summations here, I, I would not bring Marsha so up. I would just keep their line together. I just, they played so they played together so long. They're so you know the chem, whatever you want to talk about how important chemistry or whatever is. I don't think I'd break up that line. I would just keep that line what it is, and I'd keep you know whatever the fourth line is going to be. They're not going to be out there very much, but I would bring I'd bring Yanmark up and and hope like you know Kelly McCrimmon said he can play anywhere along any line. Okay, well then if this is what you got him, he needs to step up. I mean this yeah. is this is the important time. I think that you only break up the Marcheseau Carlson Smith line if you're 
completely reordering your lines. And, right, because once and, you make that move, because if everything's different. Because the the right now what the Golden Knights have is they have Mark Stone on one line and William Carlson on a second line, and those are their two best forwards with Max Pacioretty out. Right now you have your two best forwards broken up, and you've got good players that you can put around them. If they got in a situation where Pete DeBoer said, I need to have my best possible line on the ice, then that's William Carlson at center with Mark Stone at right wing. And then if Pat Reddy's healthy, he's the obvious left winger. If he's not, then it's like Jonathan Marshall. So more than likely that's the best possible line they can put out there. So if he gets into a situation where DeBoer says, I need my best possible line, that's the answer. Well, maybe but, you do that in game. Yeah, and, and yeah, you probably can do that in game. Yeah, they like listen. If they're, if they're down two zero or something, if then they he's haven't have to scored switch up. ten minutes into the right, second then period, you got to go. Yeah, you've got to change things pretty quick. I mean, he did it in game one. They changed right. things with like four or five minutes yes. left in the second period. If they go another 20, 30 minutes without scoring, even if they're out shooting them thirty to three, like if you still haven't scored, even more so if you've out shoot them thirty to three. You got to change something because it's, it's the playoffs, and you go down two nothing. Your season's basically over at that point. All right, coming up next, the A's are coming. They're coming to Vegas. Well, to tour Vegas, anyways. Just playing against Albert, seeing him on the other side, coaching, managing against him, and to see him in our dugout in a Dodger uniform is really surreal. But it fit, and it looked normal. So I know the players are really excited. I know he was really excited. It was like that 13-year-old kid playing his first Little League game. Ground ball up the middle into center field for a base hit. Bet scores Pujols. How do you do? His first RBI as a Dodger. Welcome aboard. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I got a prediction for you, Ed. His last hit as a Dodger. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Albert Pools has hit more home runs against the Houston Astros than any other team in his career. Did not know that. May 25th, Dodgers at Astros. I do know that. Albert Pools' first home run as a Dodger will be on May 25th. Okay. You know what it is? I've looked ahead to the schedule. I think it's Kershaw against Granke. I don't know if the Astros rotation is actually set that far in advance. We got we I only looked. have four starters I think right I now. Looked. Three guys are hurt. I so. just remember Astros first game Grinky. Oh. Can he homer off Grinky? Pujols? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Grinky's not that good anymore. He's solid, but he's not. He'll throw the that fifty nine mile an hour pitch and Pujols will probably <laughs> put it out of the stadium for once. Still hasn't done that quite yet. He almost did a few times. But that's my prediction for you. May twenty fifth, he'll be DHing. In an American League park, and he'll hit his first Dodger home run against the Astros, and I'll be just I angry. I don't think it'll be DH. In months, he'll be at second. He'll be at first because Bellinger won't be back yet. He'll be at second. Well, months he'll be at second. Pools will be at first. Bellinger will be running laps down at the AAA park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the uh, news yesterday <laughs> from Ron Kantowski. <laughs> Uh, was that the Oakland A's, their president, Dave Caval, is going to come and tour Las Vegas and meet with uh, government people. I don't know who. I guess that means Carolyn Goodman and Deborah March. But he's going to meet with somebody here of, of some importance. Um, how much do you think this matters? How much is this just Dave Caval taking the uh, leverage play to the next level by going and visiting another city? 
I think at this point, it's the latter. And, I mean, I guess it matters that he's coming here. I think he'll go to other cities. I think Nashville will get a visit. Uh, Portland, all these teams that have been thrown into the mix as potential sites. I think I think he has to do this. When baseball gives you an ability to go out and seek other towns that engage your interest, you, was, you have to do that because they very rarely will say that publicly, well, we're giving you the option. So it's not a shock he's going to do, do a tour. I think my question is exactly what your question is, what you tweeted yesterday. I just want to know who's paying for it. Because he says it's public-private. So tell me what the public means and tell me how much that means. Yeah. I don't. And if I'm talking to him next week, which I likely won't be, and, and he, I'm sure he couldn't answer the question because, you know, they're just going in and say it's public-private. I'd love to know, okay, so Oakland doesn't want to pay $800 million in infrastructure. Do you want $800 million for Vegas right. or Henderson? Or do you want $100 million? I don't know what he wants, but— to me, that's the only thing I care about. Like, how much is this going to cost people? I, yeah. I don't care about anything else because if you're talking about $800 million, not that March or Goodman you know, wouldn't want to come up with it and wouldn't want to do it, <laughs> I think that we've said over and over again, it's stupid. It's stupid to put that much public money in. But hello, Allegiant Stadium. I, I'm never surprised at anything, but that's really my only question. Like, how much is this costing? I kind of piggybacking off that. Are we paying for their tour? <laughs> No, I, well, I shouldn't say no. I don't know. I mean, like, are, we're probably, are, this guy's a billionaire. We're probably to, giving him per diem. Uh, your per diem sixty five dollars and forty two cents today. I like, mean, what if if like the LVCVA is running the tour? They they work off public tax dollars. So yes, right. if it's the LVCVA, hey, those are tourism. Tour. That's tourism money. That's that's not that's not actual taxes. Right now, is Jeremy Aguero going through that thousand page book that he had for the oh, syntax God. saying where can we get per diem for this guy? Yes. There's seventy. I found seventy dollars. We can give him for per diem. So since 2017, here's the numbers uh, of public money that Las Vegas, Clark County, or Henderson has used on pro sports. Probably one of my favorite. Tyler tweets of all time. $750 million on the Raiders stadium, $80 million. Granted that hasn't all been paid yet. It's over 20 years, but $80 million by the LVCVA for Las Vegas ballpark, $42 million by Henderson for the AHL arena, $10.75 million by Henderson for the AHL practice facility, plus a $6 million discount on the land. The Raiders bought out in Henderson to build their practice facility. That is $888.75 million we have spent in public money on pro sports in the last four well, years. Then they'll say they're, you know, they'll say they're saving money because the only thing the A's are going to ask for is $800 million. So they're saving like 80-something million to bring the A's here. I, it's, again, it's just that's fine. Do your tours. I would do the tour, too. Look, if like I said, if baseball says you can do it, even if you're just putting leverage or, or you know pressure on Oakland, I'd go do the tours because then you're telling Oakland, okay, now like we're doing yeah. tours of ever town. I mean, so if he's doing this tour, that's what he probably should be doing. Yes, if, like their goal, I I would bet the A's number one goal is to get that eight hundred sure. something million from Oakland for their infrastructure, so they can go ahead with their build their ballpark, twelve billion dollar project because it's more than just a ballpark. Yeah. They like want to take over half the city apparently but that's probably their number one goal normally you would say okay the a's are going to end up in oakland they're going to come to some agreement with the city and get some money it might not be 800 million but oakland seems and we saw it with the raiders oakland seems pretty defiant they seem pretty you know steadfast and we're not giving you public money do it on your own and that leads. That's the only thing that has me saying that this might actually happen. Mm-hmm. Like I still think they're in the leverage play. I still think because like 
the Marlins came here in like 2005 right. or oh, something. God. The Diamondbacks. Mark Davis towards San Antonio. Yeah, right? the I read a story yesterday about how they put him on a helicopter in San Antonio to show him around. Like, yeah. okay, I don't know if you want to show San Antonio from the sky. That's There's the river. Right. But like, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of really small buildings. <laughs> like anytime there's, the this, there's this threat of relocation, the owner will tour other cities. Like it, of course, so I, he should. Him, them touring Vegas to me doesn't mean a whole lot about the A's coming here. It's just no. what you no, do. No, because when the you following week he'll tour Nashville. Right, he'll be somewhere I mean, else. By the way, the one of the one of the things Ron Kantowski wrote was the reason that they were coming to Las Vegas first, first. was because the support was overwhelmingly positive in Las Vegas. Well, I believe for the that. A's. You know the two mayors. So I believe that. Yeah. Are other cities saying like? F you, Oakland. We don't want the A's. Like I, that's like our other cities. Not I don't think saying, Nashville is right. That's what I was confused about. Like our other cities, like the opposite of us, and being like, no, 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 we don't want you to come no. here. Okay, because because when you hear, oh, it's overly well, overwhelmingly positive about Vegas, it made me think. Well, is it not overwhelmingly positive in Portland is this, or whatever? Is this part of the leverage play to pressure Oakland because the Raiders yeah, already be. came here? It might be. It's like, well, they already took the Raiders from you. Yeah. They could take you. They could take us too instead of going to Nashville. And, or again, Portland. I you know all the same all the same cities are always listed in this stuff in terms of who's interested in getting Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think I still think it's a leverage play until you say out loud how much it's going to cost, who's paying for it, and then March or Goodman has to turn around and sell that money, obviously, to whoever's going to pick this up. It's going to be the public picking this up. And again, look, I don't know about Clark County, but I'm not putting anything past Henderson. Like, I don't put anything past that down. And by the way, should we all be living in Henderson? It appears they have more money than anyone. Apparently. <laughs> should we all move there? Because it appears like it doesn't matter how much anyone wants. The the We've opened the phone lines since I've been producing this show, I believe, twice. And one of them was, we're going to change a street in Henderson. And it was, we were lit up. On every right. single, like, every single line going, this is stupid! Raiders way. And they still <laughs> did it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, Henderson is this, like, magic eight ball of yeah. what are they going to do? They just print it. We got money in Henderson. Just keep printing it. A lot of land and a lot of money to print. All right, coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show. You know, it's going to be tough to, to score. We knew that coming in. And with Patch out of the lineup, uh, we've got to have other guys finish off some of those chances so um, I, I thought we had enough looks to get one I, I think for me um, the first one's critical you know to come out of the first period with the type of pressure we put on and and not to have anything to show for it uh, was probably you know the biggest disappointment because uh, you know they regrouped and and uh, you know the rest of the game was pretty even we're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on the West Sahara. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Ben, how are you this morning? Benjamin? Not too bad, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. Uh, did you get locked out of practice yesterday? I didn't. Luckily, uh colleague david shane bit that bullet and uh made the drive over there because yours truly lives in henderson and uh didn't exactly want to for uh, an optional practice and uh i'm glad that i had the option to stay home so that means obviously you're over there waiting for your baseball team to arrive in henderson yeah, and uh, yeah. you're very excited how much of your tax dollars are going to a baseball stadium for the ace 
Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to throw on the, the luxurious tradition of uh, Oakland baseball. They just uh, beat up on uh, the Minnesota Twins, oh, actually. So they, they look like world beaters against them. So it really sounds like we're getting a juggernaut here. Uh, okay, Ben, what percentage chance would you give that Robin Leonard starts tonight? Ooh, I would say it's got to be, you know, 20 or even lower. I just don't think that uh, if you're Pete DeBoer, you can go to Marc-Andre Fleury with a straight face after what he did on <laughs> Sunday and say, hey, I don't think you give us the best chance to win tonight. It's the other guy <laughs> who gave up uh, six goals the last time we played this team. And look, like Robin Leonard obviously had still a very strong year, but Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to be a Vezina finalist, and I think he was the best goaltender in the game on Sunday. And frankly, it wasn't that close. And it wasn't, that's not even a flight to Cam Talbot, who was also impressive and had a 42 save shutout. But uh, Flurry, just the amount of saves that he made in that game uh, was crazy. And so I would have to imagine um, you're going to have to go back with him tonight. Now, obviously, if the Knights uh, go down to nothing, and depending on how obviously it goes for Flurry, then it gets really interesting for Pete DeBoer and company. But I think. You know, if you've decided that uh, based on the full season sample size that Mark Andre Fleury is your guy, and that's obviously a very logical decision based on all the evidence, uh, I don't see why all of a sudden you switch after one game in which he was frankly outstanding. How quickly does Alan Walsh send a tweet if Robin Leonard does, in fact, take the ice first tonight? So I've been talking to Ed about this over text. I'm curious what the next like level up from stabbing is. Is it like some sort of explosive device? Like how, how high do we go here? I, it'd be frankly very fascinating to see how much, because I do think you could say that this is a step up in terms of how Mark Andre Fleury played this year, that he definitely uh, deserved the starter's crease. So losing it, especially if he loses it tonight. Uh, yeah. I would imagine that, uh, you know, it would get pretty, uh, Harry on Twitter real fast. We need Fleury, like, lighting the bomb with the long stick, like, with the sparkler, and, like, lighting it, and DeBoer standing right next to it. He's about to blow up. Uh, what is this, like, a, car, is you like a cartoon? Yes. Yeah, you have him as like Wiley Coyote. Yeah, is there an Wiley anvil going to drop on him, too? Yes, absolutely. And, a, and yes, actually, he's going to drop on his head. And they're all going to have DeBoer written on it. Um, yesterday, we thought it was interesting, because uh, usually coaches, you know as well as anyone, like, they'll answer questions, but they don't go out of their way to say, I'm not lying about this. So when it comes to Max Petri, uh, what are the odds he seriously doesn't know if this guy's playing or not? And we were saying before you came on, if he is playing, then my guess is the curtain has been dropped off in, at City National, and this guy's been skating because obviously he hasn't played since May 1st. He's not going to go on the ice for the first time tonight, I'd expect, in this moment. No, I wouldn't expect either. And obviously we'll see today at morning skate whether Pacioretty is out there. Um, it's obviously clear if you watch game one, how much they need him. They're just so much less potent in terms of both their five on five play and their power play, uh, with him not out there. It was frankly, very easy for the wild to defend tonight's top line for most of the game in game one, the wild don't even have last change, obviously here at T-Mobile arena. So they didn't even get a chance to really put their shutdown line, uh, of Ewell Erickson Eck on that top line, and the Wild were still able to suppress it. And obviously, the power play went 0 for 3, which is a huge problem for the Knights. Uh, with Pacioretty out and Cody Glass in the minors, basically a third of the Knights' power play goals 
are out of the lineup uh, as of right now. And obviously the Knights' power play wasn't that prolific to begin with. It was ranked, I believe, 22nd in the league. So taking 10 power play goals out of an already struggling power play is not helping uh, them at all. So we'll see. You wonder you know, if the Knights are really going to try to do everything they can to get Pacioretty as healthy as he can be uh, for this series because it's clear, based on game one, how much they miss him. This is, uh, I guess, more of a big or a big picture question, not necessarily the pressing of game two, but are you surprised at all that Cody Glass isn't with this team, given that Max Pacioretty is out and they could use somebody that might be able to score a goal every now and then? Yeah, it's a really good question, especially on the power play, because that's obviously the area that's been struggling so much. And right now you've seen that they've basically loaded up their top power play unit, and they have a second power play unit that's, you know, just frankly not that frightening, I believe, if you're an opposing team. Uh, so much so that in game one on Sunday, at one point, Pete DeBoer used his timeout in the middle of a power play. So basically he could give that first unit a breather and not have to take them out on the ice. So in power plays where the Knights are not using a timeout right now, basically, uh, it's basically only a minute power play instead of two minutes because the Wild can uh, kind of breathe a sigh of relief when the second unit comes out there. So that's obviously a huge problem for the Knights, and Cody Glass could be one option to potentially solve that. Now the question obviously becomes, okay, so where would you play him at five-on-five? Would you move uh, Nikwa from third-line center to third-line right wing? You know, that's definitely an option. Um, but then where do you necessarily put, like, a guy like Keegan Colasar? So that's, I think, probably what they're wrestling with. Of Like, do we put a power play specialist on this team at the expense of, you know, what, in game one at least, was decent five-on-five play from their bottom six before it got broken up? Because Pete DeVore made it pretty clear yesterday when explaining his initial line of decisions that he's very concerned about the – wild depth in this series. He basically kept Alex Tuck on the third line to start the game on Sunday because he wanted to make sure he was matching the wild depth. The wild have uh, Kevin Fiala, who's a 20 goal scorer on their third line. Their fourth line has a lot of good players. Um, they have Nick Bukestad, who's a guy who's been a top six guy in the past. Nico Sturms having a really good rookie year. And then Nick Bedino, who's on the, also on the wing on that line is a guy who's won Stanley Cup, in Pittsburgh, he's a really experienced vet, so they've got a really good fourth line that would be able to do some damage in this series if they get some good matchups. And a third line that's got a very dangerous player as well. So I think that's kind of the decision of do you trust Cody Glass five on five against those kind of matchups, and is it worth it anyway? Even if you're a little hesitant there, just because you need a power play boost right now. Who would you elevate tonight if it's not Patch Ready on the first line? I would think you could go back to either Yanmark or, and they haven't done this all year, consider breaking up uh, the misfit line of Jonathan Marsh, so William Carlson and uh, Riley Smith, just because I think if you're looking for a guy to play opposite Mark Stone, if Max Pacioretty isn't there, you need a shooter um, because Mark Stone is obviously one of the best passers in the NHL. He's got great vision. He's going to set guys up for chances but he needs someone who's willing to then take those chances. And obviously Max Pacioretty uh, throughout most of their shared time together on the night has been that guy. Uh, Tomas Nosek uh, was not that guy 
on Sunday. And obviously, I think it was unfair to him on a number of levels to kind of expect him to be that guy, giving that he was coming off an injury. He's been a bottom six player basically his entire career. He's having a career season, but expecting him to kind of jump onto that first line and, like, you know, really be an offensive play driver and producer, I was probably expecting a little bit too much from him. So you added Jonathan Marchessault to that line. Okay, that's a willing shooter who can really put some pressure on the wild offensively, which is what uh, the Knights need from that top line right now, especially when you're at home and you can control the matchups more. Now, the Knights have been obviously unwilling to kind of break those guys up all year. We'll see if they end up doing that. I think Pete DeBoer's got a lot of interesting decisions heading into game two tonight. Well, I hope you don't get locked out of T-Mobile Arena tonight trying to watch game two. Me too, really. You know, it'd be a real big <laughs> bummer. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're just going to chain up the door to the press box. Hey, Ben, why doesn't yeah. Wisconsin have a hockey team? <laughs> well, you know. Um, I know you're, I really, you're just from that general area, but, I mean, actually not. But, you know, like, like, like does it, wouldn't that make sense? You know, it definitely could make sense. You don't hear the league ever talking about expanding to there. It's not like Wisconsin has, like, that crazy big of a market necessarily. You've got Milwaukee, but Milwaukee is, like, a little close to Chicago, so I think you kind of eat up some of those fans. Obviously, you've got um, – you know, Western Wisconsin's like right next to Minnesota, so they probably can just like go be Minnesota fans. I'm from Eastern Minnesota, so those borders are very close. I've gone back and forth all the time. So I think you got some major markets that are like kind of right on the you know bordering the big markets in Wisconsin. So I kind of get it there. And obviously now the NHL is looking for like the glitz and glamour of Seattle in terms of that's a big media market. Houston is one that's been talked about a lot. That's a massive media market. So I don't think. Yeah, it's been that big of a consideration just because they've kind of got the Midwest covered, and now they're trying to expand into other areas. Well, keep hating on uh, your bordering home states. Uh, he's Ben Gotts from the <laughs> Review Journal. Uh, or excuse me, Ben Goats. I did it. Damn it, I messed it up. Yes, ben Gotts. You ben Goats. You? Ben Goats. He's a, he was a prom king. Oh, uh, yes, the prom king. <laughs> ben Goats. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. See you tonight. No problem, guys. Thank you. Take care. Oh, brutal. Ben Goats. Goats, Gots, Gets. I think you say Gots just on purpose. No. I think no, you do. No, I don't think you does. I think it's become a subconscious thing. Yes. Now, me yes. mispronouncing it on purpose yeah. a few times, and now it's in my head. By the way, the Cody Glass thing, I hadn't thought about it until Ben mentioned Cody Glass. He could be here. Yeah, yeah. he could. Yeah, he doesn't have to. There's no salary cap well, stopping him yeah, from no, being I here mean, anymore. And there's the AHL playoffs. So I was gonna say he, they're going for the Pacific Division Championship <laughs> Tournament bracket. Uh, that uh, you know you got to win that because that's really important. Uh, well, it is sort of important only because Henderson will be able to f- hang a banner, and down there they're very excited about sports, so they're going to try to hang. They that, won the regular that season. Pacific just Division. Hang that's the regular true. Season that's true. They don't have to. That's all that matters. Hang the Pacific Division Tournament bracket. Championship. But I, I think. I mean, listen. Obviously, Cody Glass has struggled and has not lived up to the expectations of being a top 10 pick. But I think it says a lot that he's not even been like called up to practice with the Golden Knights, with Max Pacioretty out, with a team that didn't score a goal in the first game. I think that says a lot. And that really struggles in the power play. Right, about where they view Cody Glass in this organization, that they don't think he could help them win a playoff game right now. I think that says quite a bit about Cody Glass and makes next year basically a make-or-break year for Cody Glass. If he's not a regular in the NHL lineup next year, that's actually useful. 
That's kind of it. All right, we're going to have a uh, Golden Knights hat and a sub from Porta Subs to give away right now. Jared looks confused. We got to do it right now, Jared. The phone number is 702-364-1100. You are going to win a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, a Golden Knights hat, and you will be entered to win a pair of tickets to tonight's game. Golden Knights Wild Game 2 of the first round. You will be entered to win a pair of tickets. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We will take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. You'll get qualified to win a pair of tickets to tonight's game, a Golden Knights hat, and a two-foot sub from Porta Subs. It's from the right-hander, and Manny launches it to deep left field. Tapia going back, looking up. And it's going to go! A two-run homer for Manny. Oh, and two on Daza. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. Strikeout number 10 for you, Darvish. He was dealing tonight. First pitch to McMahon. Swing and a ground ball to the left side. Mateo, the only guy there, gobbles it up. Throws to first. That is the ball game, and that is a winner. Padres 7 and the Rockies nothing. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Well, must be nice to be playing uh, Liberty High. Um, does he have so, something? Does he have something? Is anyone else hearing that? No. I think your phone is playing something. No. Or else your computer. Um, it could be that. Take Let's take your that. headphones off. Yeah, one take ear your for headphones off real quick. Okay, now it's gone. Now it's gone. Must oh, have been the man. computer. We're, yeah, no, we're messing. All right. <laughs> Real quick, did you see the Machado slide? No, I did not oh, see okay. the Machado slide. What did he do? Take somebody out? He took someone out, which was fine. You know, he goes out of the baseball. I mean, he, fine. And he, he was no, he was fine. I mean, it was it was kind of a play that you know in baseball. He took like someone at second? out. Yeah, it's second. I thought he, you weren't allowed to do that anymore. Uh, I mean, I thought it was okay. I just thought it was funny that, and you know, everyone in San Diego, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. What if that's Bet's taking Tatis out? Oh, How are we doing there? Oh, oh, the city would burn down. Yeah. City would burn down if that's Bet's. Not that he's dirty. Would take, and I'm not saying Machado's. I thought the this, this slide yeah, was fine. Yeah, no, I mean, would none take of them Tatis are Chase Utley. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just, anyway, I gotta, I laughed at that because I, I messaged my guy oh, and Sandy who covers the team. I'm like, dude, if that's Bet's taking Tatis down, you're running for cover because that city's on fire at this point. To spend the night watching Ed Graney watch the Dodgers and Padres <laughs> play at the same time in two ooh, separate ooh. games. Well, oh, I didn't oh. watch last night because the, they weren't playing a real team. They're playing the Rockies, so well, I didn't have to watch the Padres. You saw something. You saw no, the no, this slide. is a, t- a couple days before. Oh, so, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't okay. last night. It wasn't last Jeez. night. All right. By the way, congratulations to Fritz. He won a Golden Knights hat and a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, plus he is qualified to win two tickets to tonight's Golden Knights game against the Wild. Uh, we will have another qualification hat and sub to give away. All of it brought to you by Porta Subs. If you're hungry, we mean really, really hungry. Get the taste you crave with a sliced fresh two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs, home of the two-foot sub. All right. I read something yesterday. It was in uh, Peter King's weekly column. That I, I, I didn't believe. I, I did not believe this actually happened. But the NFL added another game. So there is an extra week in the NFL schedule this year. Uh, and now there is bye weeks as late as week 14 in the NFL season. Ooh, and Peter King apparently talked to the guy who's in charge of schedule making at the NFL about this. And if you play fantasy football... Normally, week 14 is when the playoffs start. For most normal leagues, week 14 is when the playoffs start. Yeah, because you always you usually take the last week off because right. of players. Exactly. Yeah, 
the schedule, the guy in charge of scheduling at the NFL said he was not aware that adding week 14 buys could impact fantasy football playoffs. And I, I cannot possibly yeah. believe that. Well, not when you go to NFL.com and the first thing you see is join our fantasy. Exactly. League. The, like the <laughs> NFL huge. has surpassed all of our other leagues in this country. Absolutely. And one of the biggest reasons why is the combination of sports betting and fantasy yeah. football. Like that is why, because, because. The NFL is perfect for fantasy football, for fantasy sports. You don't have to set your lineup every single day like baseball. It's primarily one day of the week. Right. Obviously, there's Thursday Monday games, but right. it's primarily one day of the week. Like It is a perfect setup for fantasy sports, and that's part of the reason why that sport has dwarfed all the other sports in popularity in this country. I can't. I cannot believe the schedule maker would be like, oh, I wasn't aware of fantasy football. I knew that it would obviously, with the extra game and extra week, push things, but am I missing something to say that these are this is pretty late even with the extra week that buys. Uh well they usually did until they have? twelve. Yeah. Uh, last so twelve year. and sixteen, fourteen. Okay. So I right. it's a little bit later. Now you also we, used to lose them because of COVID. So you know. <laughs> what I think is gonna happen <laughs> what I think is gonna happen for most fantasy leagues is you'll well, push they're your, gonna have to they're gonna have push to adjust. your playoffs back a week. Yes. So you go 15, 16, 17, right. and you don't play week 18. But that's still if you play fantasy football. If it's your last week of the season and you've got a win to get into the playoffs and there's four teams on by, I can't remember which four it is, but like, oh, yeah. your number one running back's just not playing in the game you got to win, like, it still kind of sucks. Have you guys ever played in the dumb league that plays the final week of the season? No. Because Sounds I've like played in one long and time. I had Peyton Manning. And he did not yeah. play. <laughs> it's and been a I long time. It, I mean, if leagues haven't caught up to that theory, I don't know what yeah. they're doing. I mean, maybe a long time ago, but not recently. Most recently, it's like okay. Oh, I mean, Peyton taking, Manning taking so the it's last been a week while, off. Yeah, taking the last week off. But it's it's genuinely the most infuriating thing ever to be like, I guess I'm picking up somebody yeah. for the championship, championship game. game. If I'm the guy, I would have played dumb anyway. Like, well, we look, we, so we're sorry about fantasy, but this is what we have to do. We can't make the schedule work. This is football. I wouldn't have admitted it. I wouldn't have said Because how big fantasy... That, we were saying, like, gambling, the most ironic thing and hypocritical thing about the NFL is not only gambling, but in the past, they've, written, they've said negative things about fantasy. And right now, if you go to NFL.com, sign up for our fantasy <laughs> league. It's like, it's like the main thing on your website. But in the past, they're like, well, we don't care about fantasy. Yes. Sure you do. And now they have sponsors with... Oh. They're huge. Every like they Allegiant Stadium has yes. every casino in Absolutely. Vegas sponsoring yeah, it's it so one way or another. So yeah, it's fun. Hey, but, it's a uh, nightclub. Yeah, apparently. But <laughs> yeah, maybe one day we'll get uh, NHL injury reports to help uh, hockey fantasy oh. players or hockey betters at some point. I'm not lying. You pick trades. Got to make their money somehow. <laughs>